Good morning, friends. Welcome. Today is a really special day. That video, um, I can't, I, I've seen it multiple times. Every time I, I hear it, it just pulls on the heart. That's, those are actual quotes from uh, real foster kids that were used for that video. Uh, kids expressing their lives and their, their sense of Christmas, their sense of uh, community and family. And uh, I, I just think today's a really special day. Today's a day that we get to express uh, generosity and compassion and um, sacrifice and love by giving our gifts um, together. And if you're new here, it's your first time here, I just want to welcome you. I'm so glad you're here. We're in the middle of the series called The Journey. We're actually coming toward the end of it. We believe everyone's on a spiritual journey. Uh, and our goal is to help you move forward toward Christ, move forward in faith, step by step. And that is our goal. Um, so we're kicking off today. Uh, have you ever noticed when you go into to people's homes that there are, there are like aesthetics and smells that are different than the, home, than the smells and the aesthetics at your house? Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed uh, when you look at the walls of someone's house that they might have knickknacks, little collectibles? Have you ever seen those things? You can learn a lot by being in someone's home and kind of, I remember being little and walking into like, uh, my dad was a pastor and we'd walk into old people's homes. Anybody, you know, 50 plus was old to me and walk in their homes and smell different and then they'd have all these knickknacks and things and, you know, quilts or little like, have you ever, you guys remember the little precious moments? knickknacks that people have. You learn about people. You, um, you'll, you'll see medals from uh, veterans. You'll see all these things that are up on the walls. Uh, but the knickknacks tell you a lot. A lot of people have like the, uh, like the really funny like, like super knickknack things. You, you, do you guys know like the word for those things? I guess the technical word for them is tchotchke. Have you ever heard of these tchotchkes? Yeah, you heard of these? Uh, I, I found the definition. I, actually, Mike, our worship leader, sent me the definition of a tchotchke. You guys mind throwing that up there? Tchotchke defined. Tchotchke is the Yiddish word for trinkets and collectibles, a small piece of worthless crap. <laughs> <laughs> this is really the definition, as Google would say. Decorative knickknack with little or no purpose. Any of you guys have tchotchkes in your life? We put them on the walls, we put them on dressers, we fill our homes and our lives with them. I just wanted to give you guys uh, some images to make sure it was clear what these tchotchkes can be. Would we show this? These are tchotchkes. Does anybody have these? There's a few people like, yes, I do. I love them. Uh, Yes. Yes. Uh, My grandparents, before we go to the next one, my grandparents uh, owned an antique shop and they had knickknacks and tchotchkes all over the place. They sold them, they collected them. And one of the ones that became tchotchke was uh, the porcelain dolls. You guys want to, these porcelain dolls that they would have. Um, But um, they had a room that was the guest room. And in this room, they put all their dolls. And there was one in particular that was like put, if like the bed's right there, it was like sitting right here looking at you. I've had a few friends stay at my grand Michael and some other people have stayed. Evan's friends, my little brother, he had friends stayed there. And this one porcelain doll would just stare into your soul. I, I think we have a picture of it. Um, it looked a little bit more like this, just like the, the ultimate tchotchke. The ultimate tchotchke. Oh, take that down. That's so terrifying. Looks like the Chucky porcelain doll right there. I want to jump into uh, the sermon today, uh, letting you guys know that we're all at different places on our journey. It's not so important where we're at, where we're not at. It's important where we're headed. 
And today we're going to be discussing something that if we can understand, if we can apply this to our hearts and lives, it'll change the nature of our lives and change the journey that we're on. In Exodus 32, it says this, When the people saw that Moses uh, delayed coming down from the mountain, see, Moses was up on the mountain with God. That we're picking up in the story where Moses has gone up and he's talking to God. The people of God, Israel, like thousands of people that have been freed from Egypt, led in the desert, brought to Mount Sinai, heard his voice, were terrified, and have had this crazy worship moment, have sent um, Moses up. And they've also all promised to, to follow God. And he's given them like these Ten Commandments and uh, this way to live and his instruction. And, and God said, will you abide by these? Will you live in this relationship where you follow my ways, my commandments? Will you be my people? And they all unequivocally say yes. And then Moses goes up to like negotiate more of the deal. And while he's away and he's been delayed coming down the mountain, it says the people of God, Israel, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, come make gods for us who will go before us because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, well, we don't know what's happened to him. He's been gone 40 days. And what do they do? 40 days since God has just like, like audibly spoken and terrified. Like people were just like, we don't want to hear his voice anymore. Moses, you be the intermediary. Would you go mediate for us? And Aaron replied to them in verse 2, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives and sons and your daughters and bring them to me. Aaron was the second in command. He was Moses' like right-hand guy. He was the one who, who often would speak to the people on Moses' behalf because Moses had, you know, he had like nerves and speech impediment and he didn't like talking as much. He wanted to do as little as possible so he'd have Aaron do it. Aaron was the second in command, supposed to lead the people and lead them well while he's gone. And the people put pressure. We want God's to worship. So he has them take off their golden rings and their earrings so that all the people took the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. In verse 4 it says, He took the gold from them and then fashioned it with an engraving tool and made it into an image of a calf, of a cow. And then they said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. This is the God that freed you. And in this moment, after God has freed them, brought them through the Red Sea, fed them, fought the battles for them, gave them water, um, loved them, taught them, took care of them, led them. Moses has gone 40 days and the people have Aaron, the second in command, make an idol, make a God to worship. In this moment, The people of Israel, people of God, make the first of their tchotchkes. They make the first tchotchke. Let's look at the the image here. This is what they made. This is your God. You can just see these people bowing 40 days after they've heard the voice of God. And he saved them repeatedly. Worship this. See, like, they were surrounded. I mean, that is just so chintzy, isn't it? A cow. This is your tchotchke. The, the children of Israel were surrounded 
They were surrounded by people that had gods. They were freed from Egypt where they all they had gods and they had idols and multiple gods. And it was very pantheistic. And they would worship multiple gods for different things. And the sun god and the rain god and the harvest god and the fertility god and this god. And all the, the, the tribes that were around them, the place that they had come from in Egypt, everybody worshipped these gods. And so there was this natural inclination. We want to be like these other people. And so then they take and they put all this pressure on the, the new leader who apparently is insecure enough to give in and they make the first tchotchke. It's really interesting in Exodus 20, this is only like about 40 days after an encounter where they, they agree to these Ten Commandments. And the first of the Ten Commandments is this. In Exodus 20, it says. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of a place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or below on earth or the waters under the earth. Don't worship or create an image of some created thing so that you worship creation instead of worshiping the creator. Don't make that mistake. Don't pretend like this created thing is the thing that set you free. I am the invisible, powerful creator who freed you from Egypt. Worship me. Don't make an idol. Don't worship other gods. Then in verse 5 it says, Do not bow and worship to them, and do not serve them. Because what is an idol? What is a tchotchke? Small, worthless piece of crap that serves little to no purpose. And 40 days from that moment, yes, Lord, we commit to that. They make a golden cow. It's interesting to me, like, this is idolatry, right? This is, this is the tchotchke. Like, all of a sudden they begin worshiping, and they say they're going to serve this. But really it's serving themselves. And when you look at Aaron, he, he's asked to make this. What, what is Aaron's idol? Is the idol for him, is it the cow, is it the, is it the golden calf? I don't know if that's his idol. I feel like the thing he was most worried about, the thing that he was most focused on, was pleasing people rather than pleasing God. I don't think he cared what what he made or what the people, as long as he got the people off his back. If you remember, there were times when Moses was under all this pressure and he's like, Lord, these people are going to kill me. There's no food or there's no water. They're going to kill me. They think I've led them out in the desert. They've never heard your voice. At that point in the story, they they haven't heard your voice. Uh, They're going to kill me. And he goes to God and, and talks it out with God and then God provides. Aaron, when the pressure's on and the people are like, we want a God, we demand this. This is what we want. He just caves and gives in. Again, in verse 5 in chapter 32, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the cow and made an announcement. There will be, this is so like Monty Python, there will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early the next morning they arose and offered burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings like they were sacrificing this thing. The people sat down to eat and to drink and got up to party. And this was like an idolatry, fertility, like horrible, like no better way to say it, just like an orgy party. Just as sick as you can get. God's people who committed themselves to God sinking to this level. Idolatry is when you worship any created thing, any material thing. 
you praise, you worship, you focus, you trust, any material created thing over God. You put your time and your energy. Like an idol is that thing, it might be the, the thing of focus. All it is is a tchotchke. All it is is just like a piece of wood or a piece of metal. It's just some, but it represents where you're putting your time and your service and your trust. So while they're worshiping, and while they've forgotten their promise, in verse 7 it says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, because they're up on the mountain, right? Go down at once for your people uh, that you brought up from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned from the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves an image of a calf. They've done all, the opposite of everything I told them to do. They did the opposite. You know, this was like the first like, rule, the first commandment. Don't worship another God. Don't make an idol. He's like, the Lord (laughs) said to this in verse 9, the Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people, and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. They're they're hard-hearted. They're selfish. They're stubborn. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. God's just like, let's, let's delete this. And then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. Delete, start over. God is not happy. But Moses sought favor of the Lord, his God, and he defended Israel. And, and he just started defending, like, Lord, no, preserve them. Don't destroy them. Like, have mercy, have grace. He's like, please don't let your anger spill out on them. And then God relents. And in verse 15 picks up and says, Then Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. He had the Ten Commandments and the law in his hand that God had given him. The agreement that they had inscribed on both sides, inscribed in front and back. The tablets in verse 16 were the work of God. The writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. God's own hand writing these. It's sacred and it's already been defiled. It's already been broken. And when Joshua, Moses' assistant, heard... uh, Oh, then he goes down, and in verse 17, When Joshua heard the sound of people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a sound of war in the camp. And Moses replies, Oh, that's not the sound of war. That's not the sound of victory. That's not the sound of uh, defeat. I hear the sound of singing. And as he approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses became enraged and threw the tablets out of his hands, smashing them at the base of the mountain because they had already been broken. He broke them because of like, these, these laws, these sacred commands that God had given had already been broken by the people. He took the calf that they made. He burned it up, ground it into powder. He scattered the powder over the surface of the water and forced the Israelites to drink the water. Is Moses happy? Moses was defending them, but he's like, he is like this righteous rage. Then Moses asked Aaron, hey Aaron, remember when I left you in charge? Remember when I asked you to lead while I was gone up on the mountain talking with the God who like created everything and shook the mountain just not, not many weeks ago and terrified like everybody, like in a way where they were just like, our God is awesome. Remember when I left you in charge? He's, he is enraged. What did these people do to you that you have led them into such a grave, vile, evil sin? How could you let this happen? 
How could you lead like this? Like, you know me. You know what we're about. You, you know who God is. Like, you've seen his miracles. How could you lead these people to do this? Singing and, I mean, people were naked. It was just, like, vile. And then Mo, or Aaron's response is, don't be enraged, my Lord. Aaron replied, you yourself know that the people are intent on evil. And they said to me, make gods for us who will go before us. Because this Moses, the man who brought us from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. And so, like, Aaron also blames Moses. He's like, well, you were gone. You were gone. And I, you know, I had to make a really tough call. And they were really mean and scary. And he starts blaming the people, blaming Moses. I didn't know where you went. And Aaron's more worried about pleasing people than he is God. That's his real idol. And if you notice, people, when we want an idol, when we want something, and we know it might not be right, or we know exactly that it's not right, isn't it true that in our culture and how people act, isn't it true that we try to get our leaders to give it permission? We try to get our leaders to change the rules and the laws and the culture so that we can get what we want. We live in a culture that is constantly trying to build idols, tchotchkes that are just put up all over the place. They represent the way we want to live and we want leaders, other people, to condone and give us permission. And Aaron gives them permission. Verse 24, so Aaron says, I said to them, Whoever has gold, take it off. And they gave it to me. And when I threw it in the fire, out came this calf. Threw it in the fire and just this cow came out. It was crazy. Couldn't believe it. You ever had someone lie to your face? Like I was just wandering through the mall and all of a sudden my credit card was maxed out. (laughs) You're lying to my face. Maybe a pastor, but I know a credit card. There was someone like, I don't know, we were just hanging out. All of a sudden, she was pregnant. I may be a pastor, but I know how things work. (laughs) Moses just like, you done done wrong, A.A. Ron. You done wrong. (laughs) Not happy with them. And uh, lies to his face. And Moses says this. Moses saw the people were out of control and for Aaron had let them get out of control and become a laughing stock to their enemies. And Moses stood at the camp's entrance and said, whoever is, the, is for the Lord, come to me. And then they actually, they slaughtered anybody who stayed in insurrection and rebellion and would not, and would not support the community in following God. I mean, this was a grave offense. Aren't you glad we don't function like this nowadays? It was like an all-out war in the camp. On the following day, Moses said to the people, you have committed grave sin. Now I will go up to the Lord and perhaps he will atone or forgive you of your sin. And Moses said, now hone in here. Now Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, these people have committed a grave sin. They've offended a holy, righteous God. They have made a God of gold for themselves. Now if you would only forgive their sin. But if not, Please erase me from the book. He's like, I'm, if you're going to take these people out, take me out. Like, please forgive them. Please forgive them. They have committed a grave sin. Please forgive them. I know they have made and created and formed this God, but we have purged it. Please forgive them. 
And I think it's really important that we understand the nature of idolatry. Are you with me on this? And this is one of the hardest things to explain. It's one of the hardest things to grasp. And so I I, want to just take time to get really practical with this. But like, what is the nature of idolatry? How does it work? And there's a clue given to us in Colossians 3.5. It says, this is written by Paul, who wants us to understand what idolatry is. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, uh, impurity, uh, passion, evil desire. And, And listen up, it says here, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness, which is idolatry. Do you know what coveting is? It's like an evil desire. It's a desire that says, I want what that person has. I have to have this. It's a discontentedness of the soul that like, makes you desire and want something that is either unhealthy or out of place. There's something not right about it. And in fact, it's connected to the Ten Commandments. Do you know what the last of the Ten Commandments is about? The first is about idolatry and worshiping other gods, right? The last is coveting. Check this out. Exodus twenty seventeen says, Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his, donk, his ox or donkey, or anything, any of his property, any of his things that belong to your neighbor. Isn't it interesting that coveting is at the end of the Ten Commandments? Idolatry is at the beginning. And what Paul is teaching us, that what we have to understand, is that our desire creates... The idol. It wasn't like people were just like, oh, we just, we have, you know, like this cow is just amazing. Their hearts had to want to worship something else. Their hearts had to attach to something else. Idolatry idolatry starts in our hearts. The tchotchke starts in our hearts. Are you with me on this? This is so important. I want to get really practical. Really practical. Um... I'm going to need a few uh, helpers for this, to help me with this, this example. One particular that I need to, would someone be willing to help me? You don't have to be super tall. You can even be super short, it would be great. Brandon, would you come on up? Thank you so much. If you mind, uh, just standing here for a moment. Brandon is going to represent humanity. He's going to represent uh, just the normal person. Is there, he's the normal dude, the normal person, okay? So you're going to hang out here for just a little bit. Um, and I appreciate it. I need, I need someone who looks really like godly. Sorry, someone really <laughs> godly. <laughs> you know, just they just have this righteousness that just exudes from them. Is there anybody out there? Oh, right there. Yes. Okay, so, my man. Yes. All right. In this illustration, my friend, you get to play God. All right. All right, so I need you. You're going to come over here. You're going to come over here. You could stand like in right here just for a little bit, a little okay. bit, right maybe more than a little bit. We'll see. Okay. Um, and then, uh, Sarah, would you mind helping me with a, a few of these things? Okay. So the tchotchkes, the idols of our world, we can look back in the Old Testament. We see like they're fashioning like gold uh, cows and things like that. And we can think like idolatry is this thing in the past. But the reality is it's any created thing that we place above God. We try to find purpose in. Over God, we try to find our significance, like, or we, 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 try to, we try to praise, trust, anything we put above God. And uh, so what I'll have you do is grab that and kind of follow me. And so what I want to do is, is I'm going to hand a few of you guys, if you don't mind helping with this illustration, 
a few tchotchkes, a few things that could become idols in our culture. So uh, the first one, because we have someone I think is very suave, um, sometimes like style. This is a really nice magazine. It's got Julia Roberts on it, in style. But uh, would you mind kind of standing just for a moment and holding this up? Um, and I also, since uh, you're very doodly, uh, I wanted to get you something that would kind of be about appearance and looking good and also smelling good. This is Axe Gold Temptation. Would you like a little spray? No, I'm just <laughs> So if you'd hold that, just maybe turn it toward them. Uh, so this is one thing that we can have. Now, it's important to know that you can have these things, but it's not like Brandon, this might not be like his thing until... His heart gets connected to it. So you grab the end of that. You're going to have to hold that up above people. And Brandon, would you grab a hold of this? You're going to get a few. Don't choke anybody unless they've been sinning, unless they've been having an idol. And would you pull that tight? There we go. Yeah, that's good. Um, let's see. What else we got here? Um, okay, how many of you guys, when life gets really complex, you like to get things under control? Fix things. Okay, perfect. I got someone right here. So I got uh, Clorox disinfectant. This represents clean living. Like, and when things get complex and crazy, like, I, it need to be in control. And control isn't necessarily bad, but when it becomes like the only thing or the most important thing, it can become a tchotchke of sorts. Are you with me? So you mind holding that up and grabbing an end of this? And it's not, it's not a tchotchke. It's not an idol in our life until it gets connected to our heart. All right, let's keep going here. All right, what else do I got? Um, some of you guys just want to be seen as a really good person. And good people like Star Wars. This is called uh, Geeky Tiki's. You mind, you mind holding on to that? Um, you go grab that end there. And again, it's not an idol. It's not a tchotchke until it gets connected to the heart. All right, let me, let's do uh, one more. What's another good one? got America here, like this is a really good one, uh, for sake of time I'll put this back in, but you know like America's good, patriotism's good, but if it becomes the most important thing, and gets a hold of your heart, um, it becomes a tchotchke. Um, this is one, uh, food, food is one for me, and you guys, I love these things, anybody love these? You're smiling real big, can I give this to you? God, God wants an offering. Those are... <laughs> I was, I was like sneaking them earlier. Those are amazing. Go ahead and, uh, yeah, there we go, there we go. Now, yeah, Brandon's got a lot of connections. You guys hold that tight real quick. Now, here's, here's the deal. Here's how this works. I'm holding that a little bit tighter, okay? So what, what happens is you could be thinking, well, you know, this isn't a tchotchke and this isn't the most important thing. And, you know, when times get really tough, like, man, I just need to eat some Oreos, but it's not a big deal. And, and, and you're like, it's not an idol in my life. It's not something that's too important until you try to pull on it. Be like, this isn't controlling my life. But you know when it's become a little bit too powerful and it's become a tchotchke, when it pulls back. Does that make sense? And you can't control it anymore. It's controlling you. I want to be seen as a great person. I want other people to like me. Aaron's issue. And you're like, that's ah, not too important. People pleasing is too important. So you start pulling on that, but then all of a sudden it pulls back on you. And here's the deal. This is the picture of the modern human being. This is a picture of what's going on. The, the New Testament, the Old Testament, uh, underneath, the sin underneath the sin. 
is idolatry. It's the attaching, the coveting of things that are not God and treating like it is God. And what happens is these things start getting your attention. These things you start serving or worshiping or trusting beyond and above the Lord. And it takes you away from my friend right here who represents relationship with God. Are you with me? This is the predicament of the modern human being. And we can think, well, how do we, how do we free ourselves from this stuff? And Moses said, not only do you need to free yourself, but it was a grave sin. Lord, would you forgive them? We not only need freedom from these things, but we need forgiveness. Imagine if you were just like, and you need both. Imagine if you were like, um, God, would you forgive me? For just always like putting so much time and energy into my appearance as an amazing human being. And you're just like, would you forgive me? And would you forgive me? And would you forgive me? And maybe some of you guys are like, these things aren't a big deal, but this one is. Maybe there's just one, but maybe there's many. But Lord, would you just forgive me? And, and that can seem so great. You know, we receive forgiveness from God, which is so important. But just because you're forgiven doesn't mean that you're still that you're not attached, that you're not enslaved. Isn't it interesting that Israel left Egypt, but Egypt hadn't left their heart? Are you with me? I mean, this is just so, so important. I, like I've, I've been trying to think, how do we describe the nature of humanity? And this is one of the best ways I can do this. And it could be like, you'd be like, man, I don't, I don't want um, to have uh, my... my looks and my style or whatever it is be the main thing in my life and so you might switch it out be like you know what instead uh, I'm going to switch that out what happens with humans is we'll switch it for something that's equally not God maybe it's tech maybe it's social media you know I could pull my keys out of my pocket maybe it's a home or a car any number of things so the question is how do we find freedom and the way we find freedom I switch this, give this back to you. The way we find freedom, there you go. You can, I, I got to use it for the next service. Sorry, I, you come afterward. <laughs> He's like running out with it. So uh, here's the key. How do we find freedom? How do we get free of this? Why didn't Moses and Aaron bow before the, the cow, the tchotchke? Why didn't they? Because they were spending time with the Lord. They had submitted everything to the Lord. So what happens if this modern human being wants to become free? He has to submit these things. Now, come here real quick, Keith. You need to submit these things. Go ahead, put that and give that to the Lord. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. And when you do that, all of a sudden you hand that to the Lord. Seek first the kingdom and what, what will happen? Everything else will be taken care of. Go ahead and submit this to the Lord. It's not saying all these things are evil. Food's not evil unto itself. But if it becomes a God thing, it becomes the main thing. It needs to be submitted to him. And like each one, we could go through, if you wouldn't mind actually collecting those, that'd be super helpful. That'd be super helpful. God, when we submit them to, to him, what happens? Freedom. Freedom. Now, Keith, come here real quick and just stand right in the middle. I, I just want this to be so clear. When we submit them and we're freed, what's happening here? Our heart, our longings, our desires are put right with God. 
They're put right with God. This is where freedom comes. And we still need forgiveness. But this is where freedom comes. And our lives as followers of Christ is constantly submitting that which is not God to God. Are you with me? Can you guys give these, these fellows a hand? Everybody help. Thank you so much. Now, I want to close with this thought. I wanted this to make as much sense as possible. Because you know, how do you talk about idolatry in our day and age? When it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to forgiveness, this is what I wanted us to know. We need freedom and we need forgiveness. So how are we forgiven? Checking on my time there. I'm doing pretty good. Romans 3.23 says this, For everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has done wrong. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. It would be better to understand that as saying we all have sinned and we all fall short of glorifying, worshiping God. When we fall short of worshiping God, we sin. When we worship a golden calf or some other tchotchke in our life, the sin that follows, whether it's gluttony or anger or consumerism or individualism, um, rage, malice, sexual immorality, when we covet these things that, like our neighbor's house or our, our, this person's life or wife or husband or kids or whatever it is, when we worship this other thing, we sin. The result is sin. Because we fall short of glorifying God. Now here's where we find forgiveness. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. The punishment of our sins. We are set free from those. We are forgiven through this. In verse 25, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. Atonement. Forgiveness. Clean slate. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Now, some of you guys might be in here and you've been on this journey. You've been seeking forgiveness. You've been seeking life change. You've been seeking freedom from addiction, from whatever the tchotchke is in your life. Let me ask you this. If God, if your, if your life was a house and God came, spent some time in your house, your life, what tchotchkes would be on the wall? What tchotchkes would be on the dressers? Like what one thing has become too important and your heart's attached to it? What, what things? Maybe it's multiple. What do you need freedom from? And the way you find freedom is submitting them in worship to God. Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you and ask for forgiveness. So right now what I want to do is just give you an opportunity to be freed from some tchotchkes, from some idols, from things that maybe they're good things but they can't be God things and to find forgiveness and to walk out of here maybe free of regret ready for change. Is that cool? 
Let's do this. This is an act of the heart, the will. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can repeat the words I'm praying in the quiet of your heart, or you can pray your own prayer, but I just want to give us an opportunity before God to ask him to free and forgive us. Would you pray? Father, would you free me from the idols, the tchotchkes of my life? Would you forgive me for worshiping, trusting, finding purpose in anything that is not you? Thank you for the good things that you do give. Lord, help me not to turn them into idols. Lord, help me not to give in to the pressure of people like Aaron did. Help me not to form these idols in my heart. Help me to focus on you. Would you free me and forgive me today? In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. I'm so grateful for you. When we get free, and when our heart's right with the Lord, like generosity and compassion can flow. And today's a day of generosity and compassion. And I just want to thank you beforehand for all the gifts that are going to be brought up here. And this next song, we're going to, we're going to have people come and bring their gifts and lay them down. And, um, and then we're going to have baptisms. And baptism, public sign that like I have been freed and forgiven by my Savior.